In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bolkeman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 340. That's right. We are talking about the Maiden of Might herself, Supergirl. Why are we talking about Supergirl? Well, if you've been listening to past episodes, you already know why. But uh, if you just happen to be jumping jumping in on this one, Supergirl has been appearing uh, alongside some lanterns in recent uh, issues. And in this particular case, we're talking issues 21, 22, and 23 of Supergirl. Um, we both read it, and we figured we should review it, especially given how heavy the Lantern presence is towards, say, the end, uh, m- most of uh, 22 and and part of uh, a big part of 23. Um and uh, just wanted to, to, to talk a bit about it. Now, this ties pretty heavily into some stuff from the Brian Michael Bendis run, uh, particularly when he kicked things off for his own story arc and time on the title with the six-issue Man of Steel mini. Mark, did you read any of that, hear anything about that, anything like that from uh, from that Brian Michael Bendis Man of Steel run? I did not read it. I haven't heard that much about it. Okay, so... Folks, I've got issues one and two of the uh, Brian Michael Bendis run, uh, Man of Steel, in front of me now. And I'm going to read segments from each to sort of catch us up on the relevant parts of Man of Steel. Um, The issue one opens up on Krypton many years ago. It's not on Krypton, but it's showing Krypton, and there's some voiceover here. Now, I'm not going to read the whole issue or recap the entire series. I'm just reading these two relevant parts from these two issues so you guys know what's happening going into this this Supergirl story. Uh, uh, The the voiceover says – I'm sorry? No. I'm I'm trying to write notes for myself, and every single pen I'm grabbing out of my – out of my, my mug of pens, either is dead or I love this one. I just pulled out a Pilot Precise pen that literally has no point. <laughs> I, am not, I can't explain it because it's not even in the damn cap. I don't think – I just don't know. So, so that's that's why I had the, the, the visceral reactions. Like you just got to be kidding me. This doesn't even have a point. <laughs> now well, speaking of – Okay. Well, speaking of not having a point, <laughs> no, oh, I'm I didn't kidding. mean that. I'm just you kidding. Know that. I'm just kidding. No, uh, it's anyway. So the voiceover uh, opens up: a planet of truly vile and insipid creatures, every single one of them. And I warned you all this day would come. And we see a creature uh, standing before a bunch of hologram faces. 
He says, you've seen this happen time and time again. The strong prey on the weak. The Kryptonians have based their entire planetary commerce around the kinds of science that demand supply they can only get from descending upon weaker planets. They have already reached out past their red sun to other galaxies and species. The Kryptonians say they look to further their trade footprint. But if this continues, Kryptonians will pillage these planets and they in turn will be forced to turn on each other to survive. Krypton will plunge these lesser planets, Cesarnia, the Dominion, into a galactic war just to feed their insanity, these sciences. And a hologram of a guardian looks to say, uh, looks looks like, and he says, what would you have us do, Rogel Czar? Krypton is a virus, a plague. They must be stopped before everything we have sacrificed and fought for is warped and disregarded to the point that we will no longer recognize it. Choices like this, they must never be determined by factors of sentiment, but only by the recognition of the facts. Only one thing will rid us of the Kryptonian plague and save this galaxy for one more generation. And another uh, face in this hologram says, Say what you mean, Rogel. Krypton will not buckle to threats of war. They will not surrender. They will fight to keep their way of life, and if we engage them and are to win, the damage to our resources will be catastrophic. War is not the answer. Krypton must be cleansed, every one of them. And, of course, that's the whole that's the whole start to the Man of Steel story. You get into everything that Bendis is doing on this story. We have just been introduced to the character of Rogel Czar. Later in the story, uh, we get another flashback to some time after this time I've just recapped, where uh, a guardian, the guardian that spoke to Rogel in those holograms earlier, comes to him and says, basically, that they've decided uh, against uh, Rogel's course of action, what he's wanted to do. And this guardian introduces himself as Appa Ali Apsa. Oh, so it's not even a spoiler. So it's so it's not even really a surprise. In this, in it's this. not. Oh, that sucks for me, obviously, because I didn't read any of that crap. But yeah, that kinda, that if you've been su- reading, yeah, sucks. They should have just left him in the shadows and had the reveal in this storyline, I think. But that's just here nor there. Uh, but Appa says to uh, Rogel before disappearing, he says, "This visit is made uh, is one made out of our undying respect." The circle. Listened and considered your words carefully. It has been decided that your judgment in this matter is clouded by your personal history. The answer is no. It's important to all us all that you know you are not being ignored. For all that you've done for this galaxy, the sacrifices you have made, you were heard. But the Kryptonians have not acted towards anyone with aggression. Krypton must be allowed to rise and fall on their own. We believe they will rise to the challenge of their new place in the galaxy and act accordingly. Krypton will be left alone. Thank you for your service, Rogelzar. And he disappears. So that is some of the snippets from issue one of the Man of Steel six issue mini by Bendis. You get introduced to Rogel, you get introduced to the circle, which is these ho- these uh, hologram of six or seven individuals surrounding him, one including, of course, we now know, Appa Ali Apsa, and we know of Rogel's uh, idea to destroy Krypton before they rise too much. But we also get this idea that Rogel has a personal connection in history with Krypton. Now, in the Man of Steel miniseries, before I even get to the part of issue two I want to talk about, we don't under, we don't get any more 
of the exact nature of, of Rogel's personal history with Krypton, whatever that, that may be. Now, at some point in the story, Rogel mentions to Kal-El about Jor-El. So at some point, Rogel had interacted one-on-one with Jor-El. That's all we really get about his past. No, no context. Now, in issue two, that issue opens up with Appa telling an individual Krypton is no more. Um, or, or I'm not sorry, Appa, another person saying to Appa that Krypton is no more. Appa says that he is aware. And this other individual named Lord Gandello says, you're going to float there and pretend you had nothing to do with it. Appa says, I had nothing to do with it. Gandello says, you knew nothing about this. I still don't, Lord Gandello. From what the Guardian's investigation could gather, it was an unstable planet. It happens. Gandello says, it happens? When does it happen? I rule over 42 star systems, Appa Aliapsa, and to my knowledge, it never happens. Appa says, it just happened. And Gandello says, where was the Green Lantern of that sector? It's a big sector. I'm not sure if sure there was a sufficient warning. You, Appa Aliops, are in charge of the Green Lantern. Where was the Green Lantern? Where was it? Rogelzar comes to us with a grotesque idea to cleanse Krypton. He asks permission. We unanimously vote no. You go tell him, and now Krypton suddenly is no more. Appa says, I will not entertain this one moment. Gandello says, we'll, we'll see what King uh, Myandir of Sardath thinks of this. M-Y-A-N-D, comma, or colon, whatever, R. Um, uh, actually, if what you say is true, says Appa, if Rogel, this legendary creature of war who has bathed in the blood of millions of souls to fight for what he believes in, if he took it upon himself to betray the galactic circle he has sworn to serve and protect, if he went behind our backs and rid the universe of an entire species, what do you think he'll do to you and your 42 star systems if you keep going with this line of inquiry? Gandel's got a blank look on his face, and Appa continues... If your theory is true, you should hope that he was in the heart of Krypton when it exploded. You should hope that he had the courtesy of sacrificing himself for what he believed. I hear and understand your frustration, but on this day, you and I are guilty of the very same thing. We did not see this coming. And that's when that conversation ends. So, those are the relevant parts of this story as we head into Supergirl. I'm only providing this context because I myself actually... Uh, I mean, spoilers. I, I've, enjoy, I've been enjoying this story arc thus far in Supergirl. I have not been reading Supergirl up until this point. This is only something I followed as a result of reading Man of Steel and then seeing that Green Lantern was going to be involved when I was reading Solicits. So now that you're caught up, what do you think now that you, I, I mean, you've already read the three issues, but <laughs> what, what, what do you sort of does that help or hinder things as we go into this? I guess if I knew that going in, it probably would be, it probably would have made it a little better. But by listening to it all, it has nothing to do with you. But by listening to it all, it just makes me regret even more that we're doing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm thinking about. Is actually, to be fair, the first thing I'm think I thought about was, wow, basically, uh, Rogel Czar is relic. He's relic. Yeah. That's all he is. Yeah. He's relic. <laughs> he is. Ab- he's absolutely relic. He's a. He, that the um, the emotion the emotional spectrum the emotional spectrum is Krypton to Rogel Czar. 
and he and he tried to make convince people that of the reason why and that what should be done about it. People said no, and then pretty much, except the difference is, the difference is, uh, Relic didn't get a chance. It was a little too late for Relic to act upon. Relic realized what had to be done a little too late in the game to save his universe, but then in the art universe, went about doing what pretty much Rogalzar did. And, and so that's the part. Yeah. I, that's the part of the explanation I, I found interesting. And I, it actually kind of it actually kind of disappointed me. Not just about. I mean, it made sense when they introduced what's his face, Chris, Crystal Face, there, uh, and this story, and this storyline, because at least now I know the context of. Because I was thinking to myself, well, am I supposed to know this Joker? Uh, yes. So you're referring to Lord Gandalf, yes. FYI. Gandalf, yes. yes. <laughs> Gandalf the Crystal. That, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. I, when, when when he gets the, his little splash page reveal, it's like, am I supposed to know this this guy? Uh, but it, it 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 ruins the it ruins the the Appa reveal to me. The Appa reveal was kind of cool in this three issue arc, and to know that it basically they already had made it clear that App, that that. Now, mind App, you, that mind Apple you, was a part of the circle. It would be. I yeah. get, it, that's just for me because I'm reading this story just because from a Green Lantern perspective, even though it's a Supergirl story. So, I understand that criticism really isn't fair. It'd be more fair if this was a Green Lantern book. Right. If this was a Green Lantern book, and I would think that that was that's the reveal that should have happened in the Green Lantern book. It, it, you, people probably work on the assumption that because this is a story that crosses over and covers everything that's going on with Super Supergirl and Superman, that you would probably know all this already, and then it wouldn't be a big deal. But as somebody who hasn't read any of this and is just going, that yeah, from a Green Lantern perspective, that would have been a much much cooler reveal. But it, yeah. it's the the background the background info is cool. Uh, again, it it does kind of make me bang my head against the wall a little bit but uh well there's some more context we want to get into i'm not going to read uh, verbatim anymore this is just general stuff we've actually discussed this before on the show some other things that happened in this story is rogel czar before he even meets superman himself goes to the fortress and destroys most everything in there including candor he finds candor the shrunken city of candor destroys it and everybody in it um so Superman and Kara come upon this, and obviously they're pretty distraught about it. In the final fight in issue six, Kara uses the Phantom Zone projector to send Rogelzar to the Phantom Zone. Surprise, surprise. Um, Superman is not quite sure of this. We just can't, you know, he's, he says something along the lines, we just can't send everybody we don't agree with to the Phantom Zone. And she says, well... He claimed to have destroyed Krypton. He, you know, he he did kill Kandor, so on and so forth. That alone would would you know you know qualify him to be sent to the Phantom Zone for life. But Kal-El says to Kara that we never really valid. I mean, because there's no time, obviously, we never validated any of his claims that he actually destroyed Krypton. Now you have to understand. Of course, they're they're going to be a bit skeptical, especially Cal, because Jor-El has just shown back up in his life, remember? <laughs> and Jor-El is saying, you know, I'm Jor-El, and he has to, like, be skeptical about all this. So there's a lot of stuff changing for Kal-El. So knowing that Krypton didn't just explode one day and someone caused it, that's something he has to really chew over. So with Rogel Zar being in the Phantom Zone, what's what's all this? Do we? How do we validate his claims? This is at the end of the story when Kara says, "I'll take care of it." I, you know, w- w- with what Kandor and Krypton meant to me, and everybody, don't forget, 
Kala was sent to Earth from Krypton as a baby. Kara as a teen or preteen. She has memories and a history on Krypton. So it means a great deal to her more than it does to Cal. So this is a very personal mission for Kara going into the, these issues. She needs to validate the claims of Rogelzar, figure out what this circle is, so on and so forth. And now I think we're set up for issue 21. You sure? <laughs> yes. I just wanted to give plenty of context because, I, like I said, I really enjoyed this story. Um, and I wanted, you know, if anybody else uh, listens to the recap or also read it in preparation to listening to this episode and enjoyed it, that's your context. So if you want to keep reading, uh, this is, this is uh, I, I would say it's worth it. So that's your context. Booyah. Uh, Mark's taking 21 and 22, and I'm taking 23. So, Mark, take it away, man my best on this uh so issue 21 the killers of krypton part one i like i both covers are kind of good the the billions of souls murdered on krypton and the girl of steel will avenge them all that one's kind of cool of course it's kind of hard not to like the crypto cover yeah that's that's a good one i I mean it's a little too sweet based on the context of the story i suppose but it but gotta love those variant covers (laughs) uh so more or less, the uh, first couple of pages of this is kind of like essentially what Chad had just kind of told us uh, about the – puts it in, the, in context of what uh, what Kara is planning on doing. Uh, she's at the Fortress of Solitude, what's, you know, what's left of it. Uh, we get to – again, we get to recap with uh, Rogal Zar and what – you know, that, that is her main, her main focal point. And, you know, basically she's uh, – She's just looking through the remnants, the, you know, the, the, all the, and actually there's more than a, it's not just all in tatters. There actually are a few things that are still intact, conveniently enough. <laughs> a little Kryptonian, Kryptonian, like little spaceship there, uh, conveniently enough that, uh, and, you know, she finds little things, uh, little keepsakes and everything that are, and then, then we flash, we, we flash back at, and I assume this this actual conversation happened in a previous issue. Uh, not an issue I've read, but uh, you seem to describe it. That's the reason why I thought that when you were going over it, I'm saying, "Oh wow, that's another part of the story that kind of has been recapped." But either way, the Chad covered the gist of this. Basically, now that we we have a flashback between Kara and Kalel in Smallville, and uh. uh Superman is trying to talk, you know, basically trying to talk to her and trying to, in a way, initially is trying to make her not want to go off and do what she wants to do. Uh, I do, like you, you touched upon, I do like the conversation that when she points out that technically speaking, not only is she really older than he is, that really she's the older of the two cousins, but that, but she actually had memories of Krypton because of Kandor. She knows really what it's like to have been a Kryptonian when the reality is Superman doesn't. Superman is really... He has Kryptonian roots, but he's really an Earthling. He was raised entirely on Earth. So his way of looking at things, way on viewing things, is really human, is an Earth Earth person's way of looking at things. So it's a lot more personal for her because, because not just because Kandor itself was destroyed, but because she knows what Kryptonian civilization essentially was. And and to Cal is just kind of all hypothetical. Uh, so at this point, uh, Kara takes her leave, 
and you know she kind of like after what she contacts what her is it her parents uh, her adopted, adopted mother uh, yeah that's yes. mother. that's that's what I kind of got out of it too yeah Eliza Danvers uh, if you guys are watching the Supergirl show you know who Eliza Danvers is it's so. kind of hard to see Danvers and not think it's more uh, Captain Marvel at this point <laughs> uh, that, um, and then then after that then we get you know we go we cut back to cur- the current time frame at the Fortress of Solitude and she kind of finds in the midst of uh, in, in the ruins again conveniently enough in the Fortress of Solitude, she finds Rogal Zar's axe. Um, very impressive axe. Mm-hmm. So she kind of vows, that, I'll find out why you destroyed Krypton. Now we cut to Coast City because for, she, she goes she goes to seek out Hal, which of course Hal's, besides making kind of a really ill, kind of ill-timed joke about Guy Gardner, since we know that's not Guy Gardner anymore. <laughs> Which kind of makes you think again, somebody who may not be overly versed in current Green Lantern lore or status quo, taking a shot at the that the royal flush, you know that the that the that the criminals that he's kind of the, the villains that he's capturing, you know, more or less should be the royal flush gang. You know, from the go should go from the royal flush gang to the Ro- Guy Gardner quartet, because all it takes is to knock out any of them is one punch, which <laughs> we know is hardly Guy Gardner anymore. As as we all know from the ridiculous fight that he had with Arkillo way back when in Hal and the Green Lantern Corps, uh, now he, he turned into he, he went from Glass Joe to Rocky Balboa, pretty much in his ability to take shots. Kara uh, comes to see Hal. You know, Hal's kind of he, he offers his condolences about Candor, and he says that he's kind of in a way he's kind of like flattered, but he's realistic to know. Well, I'm not usually on the top of your list when it comes to uh, people you con- you contact in emergencies. So what's up? And she's she's honest enough to say, well, basically, I really need, I I need information that only a Green Lantern can access about uh about the symbols and everything on Rogarzel's axe. Uh, Hal points out that well, basically, you know, we, we, I kind of already did this. I tried this for Superman, and, and basically none of the symbols none of the symbols showed up. She asked, more context. Sorry, just just uh, it, it's really no more than what you just said. But when they discover Kandor is dead, and Kara is like distraught about it, Cal's distraught about it. She basically asked Kal-El, who do you go to for help with something like this, on something like of this scale? A Green Lantern? And Cal does go to Hal. I mean, he doesn't play a huge part in Man of Steel, because obviously Man of Steel is about the Rogelzar and Superman and Kara, and it's a very Superman-heavy story, but Hal is a part of it just for a moment there. So, just FYI, the, the, that, that is something that happens in Man of Steel, is Cal goes to Hal briefly for some help. Which would make – well, yes, that's true. It all, but it makes more sense. Superman would go to Hal because of yeah. the relationship as opposed to Kara. As Hal points out, uh, this time you know, Hal tries to – Hal does scan the axe, and instead of just saying basically that it couldn't find anything, it points out that the scan complete object identified, but the information has been redacted, which, of course, stuns Hal. I hate Hal's hair in this, I have to point out. It kind of looks like a little like Kyle, and kind of looks I, I don't know who else, but it's not a very Hal like haircut um, to me. That's the it's almost Guy Gardner ish. Yeah, it's, it's like it's an there's there's like elements of a bunch of different Green Lanterns in the way in kind of like the hairstyle and and even the way the body type of I mean it's clearly Hal's uniform, but it kind of almost looks like 
Kyle's body type a little bit to her. Like the way he gestures and everything, too. Yeah, I was just going to say yeah. that. That's a very good call. I was just going to say the mannerisms. I was just going to say that. That he's kind of like Kyle's mannerisms. Uh, now, 42 star systems away. We have an access alert because uh, this little this little guy finds out, you know, this little bu- purple bug-like thing finds out. He, he is made aware of the fact that a, a Green Lantern ring has been trying to access the uh, – the, the and do a scan on Rogozal's uh, excuse me his axe and it's like we, get, we got all these little all these little alerts about you know firewall secure no breach and it's like a green lantern this is bad this is bad the circle must be informed steal yourself Hackman which I guess is his name Hackman nice name <laughs> this will be unpleasant back to Hal and Kara Hal's like you're redacted I've never had this happen before and Kara's like what does it mean it's like it means that even I can't access that information and I'm me (laughs) (laughs) that's Hal that's Hal like uh, uh, his explanation is kind of lame because it really means if the information is redacted it really means it's been edited it really means Mm -hmm. things have been removed from it or things have been blocked out so it's not really it's not truly it's we know what it, it kind of means what he says, but redacted in general terms just mean the, inf- the, the information has been kind of like blacked out, has been edited that you can't see the, the, the full data because you're not being allowed to. So it, it's kind of true, but it's um, – so Kara kind of responds. It's like, Zar just can't be a lone gunman not to destroy an entire planet, my planet. Uh, Hal's like, oh, it's kind of like probably just a glitch. You know, Mogo – this is stupid. Mogo needs a new spam filter or something. And she's not buying that. And Hal's like, you know, that barely bottled up rage. I sounded just like that once. And then he kind of like almost like in a whisper, I think, like right before I became Parallax and almost destroyed the Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he kind of then he like turns into Yoda with the don't let your anger consume you, Kara, and all this stuff. And she's like, thanks for the help and it's for your advice. It's like, uh, I'll take it into consideration as she flies off with the axe. Uh, so we're back at we're back at the Fortress of Solitude, and she's pretty much planning on uh, g- going off into space in this the, the Kryptonian ship. And now we 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 then Crypto Crypto shows up, and he's got a note note in his collar, and the notes from Superman, pretty much saying that you know he more or less he felt bad about leaving things the way they were. He couldn't just do that. And it's like uh, you know. I, and he was pointing out that I don't know what's so. This here's another thing in context I might as well ask: What's going on with John and Lois? During the Man of Steel story arc, uh, this one doesn't play as big of a role in all this, but it does into this for this note. <laughs> for, for this note, uh, in the Man of Steel storyline, Jor El shows back up, uh, and Jor El uh, essentially wants to take his grandson under his wing. Uh, and show him the stars and educate him, uh, you know, the way that Kal-El should have been educated by Jor-El, you know? Uh, learn about his people, learn about the cosmos from a true Kryptonian. And obviously there's some back and forth about this. If John should be leaving, you know, with, with Jor-El, do they still leave? Really trust Jor-El? And Lois agrees to go with John and Jor-El, leaving behind Cal, of course, to protect the planet and do all this other stuff. But, uh, another slight aspect to this, uh, they're, they're, you know, uh, Lois and John are given a communication device and ha- and, and, and Kal-El has uh, the other communication device. But in the fight with Rogel, uh, 
it gets destroyed. So even though Cal is supposed to be checking back in with Lois and John and things are left in a weird place because Cal's not sure he wants this to happen. He doesn't, she's not sure if he trusts Darrell. Basically Cal is worried that Lois and John think that he's still upset about the whole idea and is just, you know, has a way of contacting him, but refuses to reach out or, you know, pick up the phone when they call him, that sort of a thing. But he has no way of contacting them and thus no way of knowing where they are, when they're coming back, if they're in trouble, so on and so forth. So where did Jarrell take them? Did he take them the same place he wanted to take them in the uh, in the Dan Jurgens arc? I'm not sure about that, but uh, he it was basically like, you know, come with me and be educated in the ways of a true Kryptonian sort of a thing. And do we get an explanation for how Jarrell came back? Uh, if we do, I don't remember it exactly because this, uh, the Man of Steel arc came out a little while ago and that was, that was before, uh, Action 1000 and now we've got Action 1004 by now, so it was several months ago. Cause it certainly seemed like, uh, we, Dr. Manhattan is the one who yanks Jor-El out of there. Uh, right. But I assume Jor-El is now back to being normal Jor-El, right? No yes. More, because that he doesn't have the same staff or whatever that was poisoned or whatever. Um, right. Okay, so... That explains in the note because the note points the, the note to, from Superman to Kara points out that he was just kind of being selfish because he doesn't have Lois or John around anymore. That he, that that it was basically his selfishness is what really wanted a more was part was the main reason why he wanted Kara not to go off and do her own thing. But he would feel better going when she goes off to do what she needs to do if she had crypto with him, with her. So that's that's pretty much what the note says. And crypto is a uh, so crypto was kind of there to be her be her safety net, her safeguard, and she's and they have some cute interaction, and they, they get ready they get ready to go on the ship, and they fly off, and crypto crypto's all he's all happy, engines engaged, and it's like a it's like I will find answers for you, Krypton, no matter where in the universe it takes me. Uh, we we cut back to uh, whatever the hell his name was again, Krypton. <laughs> Hackmon. Hackmon. <laughs> Hackmon, Pac-Man, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't Pokemon. matter what his name is. Uh, po- Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon. Uh, that he, you know, he's, he's running around. I, I like those gi- those giant steps for his little legs. <laughs> and basically he goes to see Lord Gandalo, Gandalf, whatever his name is, though we don't see him yet. And, she, and he kind of points out, like, my eternal master, I bring distressing news. And, of course, uh, oh, there, there's his name. Uh, he goes, yes, loyal Hackmon, I know. Rogel Czar and his singular obsession. More trouble than he has ever been worth. If I knew where to find that fool, I'd end him myself. And it's like, but the lanterns are involved in that Kryptonian girl. If she continues her search and, and uh, the, you know, basically the reply is, let her. There is no way she will uncover all of the truth. And if she gets too close, well, what is another dead Kryptonian in the scheme of things? Next, Supergirl versus the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, this is – I've not been reading Supergirl. I obviously know the context from Man of Steel, but uh, I just – I didn't end Man of Steel uh, going – you know, when Kara says, I'm going to find out the truth behind Rogelzar's claims, going – Okay, I'm now going to follow this part of the story arc into Supergirl. I, for the main, the main reason I picked up Supergirl, starting with issue 21, is because I knew that there was a Green Lantern-centered arc, at least towards the beginning of this arc, starting. And then I remembered 
retroactively, oh, this is also continuing that thread from Man of Steel. I was reading Man of Steel because I wanted to see if I wanted to follow Bendis onto this title. Uh, not just Man of Steel, but uh, what he'll be doing in Action Comics and Superman and so on and so forth, because I was reading the Dan Jurgen stuff, and, well, do I do I want to keep reading these titles with this new creative team? So, um, so this is the first issue of Supergirl I'd picked up, but I really enjoyed it. I like the art. I like the tone. I like that Kara is not kowtowing to Cal. She's she's like she says she says what she means and she's standing by it. She's not trying to let she's not letting Cal talk her out of anything. She's sticking her ground. She's trying to provide the context to him saying what she says about her being older and her experiences and so on and so forth. Um I like that she's being proactive. You know, she mentions here is it's kind of a throwaway line towards the end, but she's talking about she took some engineering classes on Krypton. That's how she knows the ship she's taking out with Krypto is space worthy. You know, she's making the effort to not just grab Rogelzar's axe, but then go find Hal and get some more information. And through that, she then deduces on her own, Hal doesn't say something. She then deduces from the information she gets from Hal that it's very clear that if the Lanterns have a file, and not just a file, but a file that's been redacted, Rogelzar couldn't have been acting alone. There's more to this story. So she's got a lot of her own agency and her own methodology to this story. It's not just a fun little Supergirl and Crypto team-up story. Which is, I guess, what you were saying when the, the the alternate cover sort of misleads you to the context of the story. It's not just a fun Supergirl and crypto team-up thing in space. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I thought this was a great first issue. No, I liked. I liked it. I, and to be honest, I I like the story as a whole that we're we're, we're doing, and I like. And I especially like the first two issues. The third issue wasn't as good for me, but I do like the first. But it, it's 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 an interesting arc. I mean, it, it succeeds in the perspe- in the perspective of I haven't been reading Supergirl. I haven't been reading much of what's going on in Superman, even though I actually have Superman four in my pull. I grabbed today because it actually flipping through it looked interesting, even though Superman's not in my pull list anymore. But it keeps getting pulled. God, that's another story. But Action Comics was in my pull list, and I looked at it, and I flipped through it. It's like, wow, this looks like one piece, one boring piece of crap, and I didn't bother taking it because it looks like there's nothing that happened. Just by flipping through this issue, it looks like nothing interesting happens. I'm not taking it. <laughs> but uh, I suppose I should point out in the complete tangent, we actually – there was I picked up Doomsday Clock since I hadn't picked up my comics in a couple of weeks. To me, the best issue of Doomsday Clock up to this point, the, mo- the, the, the most interesting issue period of Doomsday Clock, only took us seven issues and a year, but back on point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I – I, for someone who is not following any of the any of this story, I think this is fine. I mean I, it's, it, it, it's intriguing enough just like Justice League Odyssey was intriguing enough to me. Uh, considering again, those are a lot of characters I, that and the and the setup for it that I, ha, I have not been following. So I think it's all in con. But. Right. Um, does, is there anything else about this you wanted to talk about? Uh, any, any experience you may have had with the creative team? Did, did you mention the creative team? No, I realize. I realize no that I didn't. Uh, give me, I can go. Is it the same as as the second issue? Because I don't, I believe I don't have them both up at the same time, so I can't compare. Because because I already I already 
Jesus, where is the title page on this issue? Is it at the end? I'm trying to find it. Well, the second issue is Mark Andreco as the writer, Kevin McGuire pencils, Sean Parsons inks, uh, right, FCO. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so the Placencia colors. Tom Napolitano letters. Terry and Rachel Dodson did one the cover. Amanda Connor and Paul Mounts did the variant cover. Jessica Chen's the editor, and Brian Cunningham is the group editor. So let's, yep, same with issue two. Good, because that's uh, that is or issue twenty-two. Yeah, yes, our second <laughs> first issue of what we're covering. Yes, um, but yeah, I, I realized yeah. after, I, after the fact that I failed to mention. I, li- I like this uh, style for Kevin Maguire. It's been a while since I've had some Kevin Maguire art in front of me, and uh, at least in this context, and maybe with this inker, so on and so forth. Um, I mean, I like it. Uh, uh, does it look fantastic in every aspect? No, but there's not really a certain part of it that makes me want to, you know, shut the book and go, oh, "That's awful," or point out and say, "That's that's horrible." I just, I really, I just really enjoy the art. And uh, thus far, I really enjoy the story. I'm not sure if I've read anything by Andreco before. I, I, I assume I would have had to at some point or another, but uh, I can't recall it off the top of my head right now. And I like the once again another another crypto, a happy crypto variant cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Amanda Connor stuff. Mm-hmm. I like. I, I think at least this. Well. It's still really not in proper context, but at least, but at least, there's something about this cover from a variant perspective I think makes a little more sense. Um, but actually, no, let me take that back because because the happy the happy little moment that they just they depict in the first variant the first crypto cover is basically the moment when she sees crypto at the Fortress of Solitude when he shows up. So I guess it's so you can make a strong case to be fair that actually that that representation is a little more in context than this because when they're out in space in this uh in this issue it's not a happy experience <laughs> you, you know what kind of bothers me about this variant uh and the and, and the covers for this other than obviously the main covers i'm talking about the variants is how hard would it have been to make the planet behind krypton mogo i mean come on because there's no lantern related stuff on either of the variants. It's just super. It's 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 just Kara and in crypto. Yeah, that's true. But may but may, maybe but maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe that to them. I guess maybe to them that they they just want the main you know the main cover to have to have the ties into the main to the Green Lantern stuff or the or the actual storyline and then the other one just all a Supergirl centric right kind of stuff. Um, so do twenty begin twenty two I guess. Yeah, unless you have anything else about 21 you wanted to get into. No, I think we can do 22. Uh, so we begin with uh, kind of like I, I do kind of like the way you know Kara's kind of like like peering like peering out, I guess looking at hologram, basically like like holograms kind of sort of right in her mind's eye, watching holog some a depiction of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, basically, which is really just a, at this point, it's a depiction of the Green Lantern Corps taking on the Cordians, which is interesting because Sora's there. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it looks like Sora has a mask. And actually, it looks like Sora would have a mask on, which was would be inaccurate. But it, it's such a small little piece of green that maybe it's just her eyes flaring green. Uh, 
But she, you know, she, her narration is kind of like the Green Lantern Corps, the peacekeepers of the universe. In addition to fighting interstellar threats like scions, dominators, or Gordian extremists, they have something I need: information on who destroyed Krypton. And you know, my my ship's holophiles of Mogo look like a bookmobile compared to the archive they have here, and including these, these those redacted files Hal found when he scanned the axe for me. I'm a, I'm afraid of the answers I'll find. You know, but but basically she wants the answers regardless. I love I love crypto sleeping upside down though. That is, <laughs> that, that is so that is so perfect because it's just it's so pet like to do. <laughs> Obviously, crypto is very secure since he's sleeping completely on his back with his belly exposed. But maybe maybe, as, maybe that's you don't have to analyze that as deeply psychologically for a Kryptonian dog because actually nine times out of ten, what could possibly hurt him no matter where, how he slept. But uh. You know, Kara's kind of like pondering, like, how does a Rogol Czar happen? Uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're 15 minutes out from arriving on Mogo, and she's like, hopefully the Lanterns will readily share access to the files. Uh, and but you know, I, this is the kind of, I guess, this is the part of the story that kind of bothers me, just the way that she seemed like, oh, they're not going to get volunteer the information to me, just like the Green Lantern seemed to automatically not be willing to give to try to help her and automatically think the worst of her, despite who she is and her track record and everything else. But as you know, as they're getting, as they're getting closer, you know, closer to Mogo. Uh, Mogo's within, you know, visual range at this point. You know, finally, uh, Crypto wakes up, but he starts freaking out. It's like, what is it, boy? Is Timmy caught in the well? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, not the last part. But he starts going, he starts going crazy, and you know, his sense of smell picks up on something seemingly, and all of a sudden, you know, the internal gravity systems and the ship start failing, and you know, basically, the ship starts. The ship starts going like kind of like batshit crazy, kind of like starting, to, you know, starting to but f- lose its way, falling out of orbit, being unable to, s- to do anything, and all of a sudden, you know, the, an, an alien power source is causing the pa- the full system failure, and it turns out that it's uh what Rogar Zar's axe more or less blows up blows up the ship, um, which is a pretty cool kaboom on that splash page. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the ship more or less gets annihilated. And th- this is kind of now. Is it now, why are they having trouble being in, breathing in space? Well, because the, uh, the they don't breathe in space. They just hold hold in. Oh, so uh, she didn't, they didn't get they they didn't have enough time to inhale, basically. Essentially, That's yes. That's what I kind of thought, but it, stru- it kind of struck me as odd because I'm thinking, well, they're not near like a red sun or anything at the moment. So why would they all? But either way, they start panic. They start. War- you know, crypto supposedly looked terrified. You know, in the first, well, he does in the second panel. The panel she says it, and he really does it. <laughs> uh, and I like the fact when she realizes that she tries to call out to him, and we actually get an accurate representation of the fact that there's no sound in space. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she's thinking, oh man, it's like a, neither one of us is going to last particularly long if you know if we don't you know if we don't get any air. And you know, she she gra- you know she grabs the axe, and at, at that point, more or less. Uh, she kind of she kind of gets saved. She kind of gets saved because John Stewart and and Kyle show up, and it's like uh, it's kind of like oh you were it's like Mogo sent us out to investigate approaching aggressor unknown level f- five power source. Now are we supposed to just assume because she has the act because she has the axe? Because why would they automatically assume she's an aggressor? 
Well, I mean, it's just a scan. It's not like it, it, it's, it reveals her identity in the scan. Right, but it says it's an aggressor. It doesn't just say, it doesn't just say, so, like, an, an unknown, like something, someone unknown or an unknown, uh, whatever. I've, the word's escaping me, but it isn't, but it, the fact that they're saying aggressor kind of struck me as a little. I guess it could be the axe. Maybe. I'd like to think that's the case. Uh, and so it's like uh, John's like, oh, you're, you're worried about what we were expecting to find. And Kyle's like, yeah, Supergirl, if you wanted to get her attention, all you had to do was call instead of like blowing up your ship. And uh, Kara's kind of like, you think this was intentional, Kyle? I'm going to risk cryptos in my life to, to call out the green welcome wagon. And I kind of like the fact that she gets pissed and Kyle's just kind of like, well, it was, kind of, it was a joke or kind of like a joke. And, and John's like, shut up, Kyle. <laughs> you're, you're not really helping anything. Just just shut the hell up. And uh, – and she's like, well, let's say we continue this chat down where there's an actual atmosphere. And, and Kyra's like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And Kyle's like, nice axe, Kara. And it was uh, it was a gift. And this is the part I don't get to. I don't know why she, why can't she just come clean about what it is, even if they can't confirm it with the scan. Maybe that might get them to work together to figure out what it is. But you know, in her mind's eye, when she starts saying you know, it was a gift, she said it was a genocidal madman's weapon. And she's like, crypto, crypto, stop bothering the, the squirrel. It's like, I'm not a squirrel. That's supposed to be, uh, what, b- b- Badge? Yeah, Badge. Because we know, uh, what's, what's his face? Chip is Chip is still dead as far as we know. So mm-hmm. as they're flying down the Mogo surface, it's like, uh, John's like, we had no idea you were coming. Is this personal or professional? And she's kind of like, both-ish. And Kyle continues to be Kyle instead of just shutting the fuck up. It's like, vague party of one, your table is ready. It's stuff like this that makes me want them to kill Kyle. <laughs> Just shut up. I think some people feel compelled to have to do this to Kyle to make him seem different, I guess. Or what their understanding of who Kyle is that they have to do this. I don't know. But I mean, let's, And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's not elements of this in Kyle's personality, but still. Uh, so, you know, she's kind of like, again, in her, mind, in her internal narration here is like showing up unannounced with a huge alien axe. I'd be suspicious of me, too. You know, on the creature, you know, and, you know, she's like, I'm doing some research. She doesn't, she doesn't say, but she thinks, so, on the creature who murdered Krypton. You care to elaborate, John asked. She thinks not really. Yeah, some of this secrecy, I just think it's, it's, it's a real convenient plot point, but I don't think, based on the nature of the relationship between the characters, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, she, they arrive on, on, on Mogo, and... You know, we have uh, our, our uh, another little green, another little alien guy. Except he's blue. He looks just like the other, the other what purple one, right? Except this one's mm-hmm. this one's blue. And she's like, "Always oh, a pleasure to see." Oh my, you're yes. And she's like, "Hello." And she holds the axe in kind of like a badass pose. And John's like, "Extending every courtesy to our guests, all." And she's like, "Okay." And you know, and Kara's kind of like apologizing. You know, it's like I'm, I'm sorry if I seem short. It's just you know, and again, she to continue to play sec- She continues to keep the secrets, and she's like, uh, Kara's kind of like, it's like she asks, you know, Zal there is is everything here? It's like I don't, I don't know, I don't know, valuable documents, redacted files, stuff like that, <laughs> and and. Zal's there, all sensitive items all across these corridors and Tower Z, but one would need clearance, blah, blah, blah. And she kind of like, he's like turning a deaf ear to that. She's just kind of paying attention to where everything is. Um, 
she's keeping an eye on everything and try, you know and she's just trying to figure out basically how to get into this place later on when she gets the opportunity to and Zal's like your walking staff is that what I think it is and she, she he touches it and she's like hey don't touch and she and as soon as he touches it you know it kind of shocks him and then the axe kind of basically the, the walking the walking the the, the long axe dash which had turned into a walking staff now turned pretty much into a almost like a regular axe and she's kind of like did you know it did that a hatchet yeah it's more like a hatchet like a hatchet yeah and it's like that's true it's more like it's more like size wise it's more like a hatchet and she he and he's like did you know it did that it's like oh sure of course it did of course i knew that and she flies off and she just the way she uh, and i guess the way they draw her holding this thing like thor like thor is holding his hammer i guess that would kind of make some i could see a little bit of suspicion there but basically, in, in the once it once it gets dark, she sleeps in she she slinks into this like Kryptonian, Kryptonian stealth suit, and she she goes into this uh this section of the archives where of course she doesn't have permission to be. Uh, she manages to get in because she paid attention, and she kind of gets prompted, "Who are you? How did you get in here?" And immediately, uh, you know the she's like. What is that? What is that, you know? What is that device doing? Is that a weapon? There are no weapons allowed in here. I, I love the look on that Green Lantern. He's pretty kind of cool. He's kind of cool. And this purple squiggly guy. And as soon as, and then just upon as soon as you know they mention that you're not allowed in here, I guess because of the threat to Kara. All of a sudden now the hatchet turns into this. Is that the full size axe, or is it like even bigger than it was before? It's bigger, right? Yeah, it's it, bigger. It, it's a. It's, it, it, in this case, it's like a double-edged battle axe. It's, it's, yeah, it, it, that's what I thought. It's 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 ginormous, and and Kara makes the, I think the proper conclusion here that it's uh the axe is trying to protect me. Meanwhile, pur- purple Green Lantern guy over there is like initiating defensive, and the axe gets really close to like uh killing this guy. And at this point, you know, you know, Kara's fighting, doing everything she can to prevent more or less the axe from going through this guy's head. At this point, it's like now John and Salak and a bunch of other Green Lanterns show up, and it's like Kara Zor-El, you are trespassing in a restricted location, deceased in this, you know, and you know, all aggressions explain yourself, and uh, Kara keeps trying to explain more or less, you know, I really can't do that, you know, I can't. Uh, we, we get this whole thing, you know, she can't control the axe, she can't let go of the axe. It's kind of like oh, then then. She, you know, she she yells out to Crypto. It's it is really cute the way Crypto kind of like wakes out of his sleep and then just flies out of there like a like a dog out of hell, not a bat out of hell. Um, so you know, again they continue this. The fact the fact that nobody's willing to listen to each other. That's the part of these misunderstanding things. I I, I have a hard time um, dealing with. That everybody oh, Kara's a threat. You don't understand. Of course, if she explained it the whole story, it would have made. It would have made it easier. Crypto comes in and kind of like, kind of like, doesn't hurt the Green Lanterns, but kind of like smashes into them a little bit, knocking them off their attack. In a way, she's like, "Crypto, stop!" Well, she's the one who freaking called the dog, right? <laughs> she called the dog in to help her. Why would the dog not go into defense mode and t- start taking out the people seemingly who are the aggressors? You can't blame the dog. Uh, meanwhile, the axe continues to, you know, the battle axe continues to. Uh, more or less have a mind of its own. She's like, everyone stay back. I don't know what weird energy the, the axe is pulling in. Salak is like, you cannot escape. Backup is already on the way. Surrender now and no one gets hurt. Let go of the axe. And she's like, it's not letting go of me. Uh, she kind of she kind of like disappears. 
And she's like, Crypto, be a good boy. <laughs> that Crypto tries to follow her, and and Salak in his own charming way, canines, wait. And and Crypto kind of just looks up at the part of the uh, the, uh, the archives where Kara was, with this kind of like longing look on his face. And Salak, master of the understatement, is like, that was unusual. Where did she go? So now we have the thing which which. This is the great reveal, which of course Chad ruined for me. No, but I'm sorry. <laughs> that carrot, we see carrot, we see where uh, we don't entirely know where carrot literally has been transported, but we see she's in a different she's in a different place. Essentially, seeing a hologram of a guardian talking to her. Welcome, Kryptonian traveler. If you are seeing this, I am no more, but my complicity in terrible crimes live up, lives on. My name is Api Alaapsa. And this is my last testament. And it's like, the awful truth that has festered in the shadows for too long and my immense shame has brought, must be brought into the light. There was a cabal of which I was a member that unleashed Rogal Zar. The cabal whose hands are soaked in the blood of billions. The group known as the Circle. And with you, their day of reckoning is at hand. Next issue, Crimes Across the Galaxy. Uh, I, I, continuing, I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy this issue less than the prior issue. I'll admit that much. I don't know if it's the art or, or what. Um, I like her little stealth suit. I don't know why. I just like the design of it. I think it's cool looking. Um, maybe it just looks better juxtaposed against all the green. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Red, red, uh, well, red and black, I mean, to a large extent, I mean, red and black have some, they're certainly, backstory right where kryptonians have been red and black because i think the erratic the, the eradicator in his kryptonian man costume kind of was red and black i think so right I think. <clears throat> they don't they don't go into you're you're right they don't go into it too much about why she doesn't trust the lanterns they get into it a bit more in my issue in 23 uh but essentially she doesn't trust them because i mean if 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 the lanterns have a redacted file uh, did a lantern redact it? Probably not. It was probably a guardian. And if the Green Lantern served the guardians, can I really trust them to to uh, you know back my play over the Green uh, over the guardians' play? Essentially, um, now obviously she doesn't know our context that these are different guardians, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, that you know all all of this stuff that we we are bringing into the equation, but that's 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 her line of thinking is that these must be the same guardians who redacted and hid this information. So I don't know if that's sufficient for you or not, yeah, but uh, I, I, I reckon. Uh, is is anything in particular about this issue you wanted to comment on? I mean, we kind of commented on it along the yeah, way. Yeah, I think still. for that, I think for this issue, we did kind of do, we did kind of have running commentary as we as we went, which is probably more my fault. But yeah, it was no. it was it was not a bad issue. Like I said, I did the going out of your way, you know, the being secretive when you don't necessarily have to be secretive, which thus creates more distrust or problem or problems later on. It just seems to be a little too cliche, a little too much of a a plot device just to move the story to where you want it to go. Uh, I did like the. I again, without the, having any context, I, I thought the reveal of of Opsa was pretty cool. Um, it is kind of weird, though, in a way. I mean, we, we have, we've been waiting. We've been waiting for that character to come back for so long, in any kind of context, you know, for so so long since what the beginning of friggin' Green Lantern Volume Three. 
and yet, and this and this is the way he kind of comes back. I mean, why not why not go for the trifecta and make it Krona, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> nice. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I, I enjoy this part of the story. We get a lot more Lantern-related stuff in it. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about this transforming axe thing and the fact that it protects her and all of this. I guess we'll get more information as the story moves forward into future issues um, not involving the Lantern Corps. I mean, I, I will be... Um, I will I will be following this this story uh, after issue twenty three uh, just so I can to see where this goes. But and like I said, it did intrigue me. But uh, uh, in terms of what we're, we're recapping here tonight, it's just it, it was sort of a weird twist to throw in there. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, I guess it makes sense because I mean, it, realistically, you just can't have this little blonde girl <laughs> carrying around a massive axe at all times. <laughs> you know, she's got to be able to stealthily sneak somewhere every now and then, <laughs> rather than carrying this massive axe. So I guess that makes sense. <laughs> then they should make it subtle, like uh, when, like when Thor's hammer was an umbrella in Doctor Strange. <laughs> I mean, in the Ragnarok. <laughs> I mean. <clears throat> um. All right, twenty-three. 23. All right, 23 has uh, uh, the foil variant, or not the foil, the foil cover. Um, That's the blue one. Um, yes, that, ha- that has been going around uh, DC for uh, this particular month. Um, several different titles have these artsy foil variants, um, but the or, or main covers. The variant is the Amanda Connor stuff again. With uh, Supergirl and Crypto riding on top of classic like '60s red-tipped rocket sort of thing through space. Uh, again, the variant cover kills it. I think it looks really cool. Well, yeah, well, especially because I hate that blue cover. Yeah, it's a very it's a little too anime for my yeah for my and taste. It'll, it'll, and, and, yes, the face I'd say the face the facial structure and style is is a lot more anime and it's a little Barbie-esque too I think and I think that I, I don't I don't like I don't like either. Yeah, I don't. I definitely prefer the the, the surfing on the missile cover. Um, other than the uh, the main creative team stays the same. There are some new inkers to help pick up some of the chores for certain pages. So you can tell. I mean, usually when there's multiple inkers, a book is running behind. So. Uh, if there are any issues in the art or any changes in the art that you see here in this issue, it's likely due to the multitude of anchors uh, on it. Um, but we pick up where we left off with Carr reacting to Appa Ali's uh, Appa Ali Opsa's, um, uh, message. Just call, just and, call him AAA. <laughs> <laughs> he is AAA. <laughs> so it's true. You helped kill Krypton. Uh, she says, you in the circle, you are responsible for Rogelzar and the murder of billions? Why? Aren't you a guardian? You were supposed to protect innocent lives, not destroy them. Now keep in mind, this is not Appa. This is a, you know, hologram recording sort of a thing. In the same way that Jor-El in the Fortress is a, technically a recording that you can talk to. Uh, but that's about it. He says, the answers you seek, Kryptonian, are complex, are a complex knot to unravel. She says, complex? How about a simple answer to a simple question? Why? Nothing is ever simple. And my name is AAA. So let's 
let's. Uh, this is already setting the tone for this entire conversation that's going to take place between Kara and Appa. So, so just get ready for this back and forth Guardian BS, <laughs> which, which is just all, which all continually keeps beginning with. My name is Appiala Apsa, and I'm the fastest man alive. <laughs> <laughs> we know what your friggin' name is, Jabroni. We don't care. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna read this entire conversation back and forth between Kara and Appa, just so that we have the full context. We know the specifics. We're not sort of reading into anything. Appa says, "I am I am Appa Aliapsa, <laughs> and uh, if you are seeing this, I am no more. I am a holographic bit of memory triggered by your proximity, Kryptoni." <laughs> Kryptonian, I can aid you in answers of the past, but my conspirators who outlived me, they may not be as ready to admit their guilt, and they are spread throughout the galaxies. Gird yourself, child, for the details are grim and covered in blood, much of it spilled by the very weapon in your grasp. Are you prepared for the truth, child of El? She says yes. The axe transforms back into the hatchet. She puts it back into her belt. She says, tell me everything. He says, our time here in this pocket dimension is short, and there is too much history, too many sins to put into words. Take this, and some of your questions will soon be answered. He gives her this red crystal uh, sort of thing. She says, thank you, but what do you mean some answers? He says, before my demise, I placed my confessions throughout the universe. I could not chance that a single archive would be destroy, discovered and destroyed. Find the other stones and find your, <laughs> find your truth. Bring the circle to justice. The circle you keep mentioning, who are they? Uh, what are their – ah, and this suddenly the uh, bolt of green energy cracks into this uh, this area. He says, my time here is almost at an end. <laughs> May whatever gods you worship aid you in your quest. Farewell, Kryptonian, and forgive me. As he slowly walks away instead of just evolve, dissolving out of view, she says, wait, just give me their, their names, please. No, wait a minute. Don't go. What am I supposed to do with this crystal thing? Why, Krypton, please tell me what you know. Help me. And she's suddenly back in the archives and out of this pocket dimension. Goodbye, Kara, uh, and my name is Oppie Ella. <laughs> Friggin' asshole. Uh, I love that the hologram turns and slowly walks away quietly instead of the hologram just dissolving and ending the message. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I have tea time at 8 o'clock. I must leave. It's like, you suck. Oh, it's like, now, so now she needs to go get Indiana Jones to help her find all these other stones. So the frig- No, she needs Thanos. That, that's or Gauntlet, yes. Uh, to, to figure out what all the all these mysterious recordings that are scattered. Uh, what what a friggin' god! What a I'm sorry. I'm, now I'll hold off on this. Keep going. This is one of the reasons why this issue blows. <laughs> but go ahead. So she is suddenly back in the archive, surrounded by many more lanterns because backup has arrived, including Salik, John, and now Kyle has joined the fray. She says she can explain. Uh, Salik is not listening. Says the time has passed. She says, can we please de-escalate this, talk about it over coffee? And Kyle's like, that's up to you. John and I will make sure you're treated well, but you have to show some good faith. John says, don't make this any worse. We're your friends. Give us the axe. I can't do that. Don't ask me to. And Salak being the ass he always has been, and we all know and love him for being, says, I am done asking. Uh, and... She looks up and she says, uh, I'm sorry, Kyle and John. And they all say, she's going for the dome. Get her. But she faints out and goes down instead. Kyle puts her in a Venus flytrap sort of thing. She drops the crystal, but Crypto scoops it up. And right as Crypto scoops it up, 
uh, Badge snatches it out of his mouth, and he says, you want this? Do you? Try and get it. And Crypto tears off after Badge. He's, <laughs> Badge says, who's a squirrel now? Canine. <laughs> As they go zipping off against each other. Uh, Kyle tries to get an explanation out of Kara. She uh, j- breaks free of his grasp and construct and hits her head on the floor. Uh, the Audrey, the Audrey 2 construct. Yes. <laughs> um, she says, you want to fight? You've got one. Uh, this is when John and Kyle uh, put her in a bubble. He says, you broke into the archive. It's like busting into Fort Knox. Uh, if, you'd any, if, if you were anyone else, you'd be in a cell. She's like, you could just let me go. Uh, I, there's a reasonable explanation, but I don't have the time to give it to you. So she does this, the Superman 1 move where she spins really fast and drills it through the floor and get to get out of there. <laughs> there's a silent moment while John looks at Kyle. And <laughs> then he says, you left the bottom of your construct open. How long have you been the lantern? Now, <laughs> and Kyle says, don't, just don't. Now, in Kyle's defense here, if you go up to the top of the page, it looks like it's John's construct, not Kyle's. True. So, now, I, now mind you, I, it's a funny line, and, and, and let's be – now, let's be honest. I mean, this is not – this storyline, this arc is not the best – does not put Kyle in the best light across the board. <laughs> It's a funny-ass line coming from John Stewart, but I'm just saying, pointing out technically and being trying to be objective here, it appears to be John's construct first and foremost. So, I mean, he may relinquish it, but we really don't see at any point that Kyle's ring is actually the one making the bubble. <laughs> so, fuck you, John. <laughs> uh, Salix says, your friend is certainly not acting innocent. John says, on Earth, we give our friends the benefit of the doubt. Salix says, with my experience in the core, that never works out. <laughs> Come recruits, Mogo could track her subterraneally. She gets down into this pocket of Earth. Could be the center of Mogo. We don't know. Uh, she thinks she's gotten away. She wants to find Krypton and get out of there, but she finds herself surrounded by what looks like more lanterns. She says, let's get this over with. Come and get me green lanterns. I'd like to see you try. And then she's ringed from all sides by these, these uh, tendrils of lantern energy. And suddenly a voice speaks out saying, you can trust us, Kara Zor-El. We are Mogo. We know your quest is pure. She says, Mogo, you can talk? We have seen your pain. We feel the loss of your home world. As a planet ourselves. many of our kind have met with the same fate as Krypton. We understand your mistrust uh, and why you have to do what you must do. This is why we are here to help you. How do I know you're telling the truth? Mogo does not lie. Wow. She says, this way, he says, uh, uh, make haste. We cannot uh, contain our fellow lanterns much longer. She says, thank you. She goes out this tunnel made for her by Mogo and finds her ship reconstituted, waiting for her with Crypto, sitting in front of it with uh, the uh, stone that Appa gave her in his mouth. Mogo says, uh, Kara Zorel, your ship is fully functional and fueled. We have programmed coordinates that will help with your quest. We have run out of time. You must go now. She grabs the crystal from Crypto. They load up and head out. But right as they do, Salak shows up, uh, grabs her by her ship by a construct and says, you mock the core, you flout our laws, you will face. And suddenly a geyser of water <laughs> spits up from below him, knocking off his concentration and his uh, construct slips. And there goes Kara and Crypto in the ship. <laughs> Salak says, we shall have words, Mogo. And meanwhile, uh, Sizal is reaching out to Hackman. 
who goes up to Gandello and says, I have news. The Kryptonian girl has escaped the lanterns. No Rogel's R files were breached in the archive. I made sure of it. Uh, plus, my kin on Mogo hid a tracking device aboard her ship. And uh, Gandello says, unlike my colleagues in the circle, I will destroy anyone who dares undo our progress. Bring me the spy. He will destroy her. And next, Bar Brawl at the end of the universe. Why is Mogo speaking in, in plural? I don't know, but uh, look at the constructs of the lanterns that he uses. One of them is very clearly Hanu. Yeah, on the right side. Yeah, so I'm wondering, uh, maybe someone's misunderstanding the green space or reinterpreting the green space. Maybe, you know, the Mogo, his ties to the lanterns, his, his sense of self, you know, he, he has exhibited really, I don't want to say psychic powers, but he's very perceptive, obviously. He has been exhibiting that in the past. Uh, and didn't they say at one point that Mogo helped guide the rings and stuff to select new recruits for a little while? Maybe there's, they're just sort of expanding on this idea that Mogo sees, because he's such a huge self, he, he, he views himself as, as every creature on the planet's surface, as every tree, as every blade of grass, drop of water, so on and so forth. Uh, maybe they're maybe they're trying something along those lines. I don't know. It, I noticed it too, and I thought it was weird, but I gave it a pass for those reasons. Just a different interpretation of how Mogo sees himself. Okay. It doesn't really change anything about him, I don't think. No, uh, it just stands out like a sore thumb. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Um, uh, I don't. I know this. The like Hackman and Cezal look weird and. It's a weird little thing to throw in there, and unless you're familiar with the context of Man of Steel and will be reading the story going forward, you don't really care about Gandela or whatever. But I like that every time they cut to Hackman, they have not let go of this gag where you have a blank panel of him just huffing yes. his way up the stairs. <laughs> and the fact that he's always on his cell phone. <laughs> my cousin! My cousin! Zoe! What's up? Oh, no! Uh, and... and I mean, I know it's not it's not like it's never happened on, on Mogo or Oa, but you have to, we have to use the Oa example since Mogo as being, you know, the head of the, you know, the home base of the core hasn't been a very particularly long concept. But it always strikes me when you see the, like, just random aliens just working on the planet like it's, like it's a, like it's a, like it's a work release program or something. It's like, oh, and, and let's just trust this guy with the, one of the most important archives we have. That's, how convenient. <laughs> well, I mean, wasn't that sort of the uh, one of the issues uh, when we were reading way back during the Durlin War? Because some of them were like pretending to be some of the cooks in the cafeteria yeah, and least, stuff like but that. But at least I could. But at least if you were going to go for the, at least that's like a minimum wage job. <laughs> so I could I could see them shipping people in to do that. I mean, this is, this is like the important. You're guarding the friggin' archives here. I mean, you really. I mean, why? First of all, why? I mean. Obviously, during the night shift, they have a friggin' Green Lantern guard in there. So why would you have? Why do you need to have non-Green Lanterns in that position? I don't know. A, a lot of this, to me, a lot of the story seems to be written by somebody who clearly doesn't know much about the Green Lanterns. Well, they know enough because here's the deal: <laughs> whenever Salak is brought up, 
I don't, I'm going to say it here and now. I don't like Salak. I've never liked Salak. But I also enjoy Salak because I, he's, a, he's a long-term lantern. Sometimes he's loyal to a fault. He's probably one of the most um, hard lanterns for you to, as a lantern fan, come to enjoy reading about. Because he's always so deadpan. He's always so following the rules. He's always an ass. <laughs> like, from, from a human perspective, Salak is often an asshole. <laughs> so it's very hard to love him as a lantern. At the same time, knowing what you know about the Lantern Corps, knowing what you know about the history of the Corps, knowing what you know about Salak's relationship with the Guardians, Salak's own past, so on and so forth, it makes sense that he is the way he is. And when you see him written like a <laughs> like a really hardcore rule following asshole, like it, it is not out of character. Oh, which is yeah, interesting. I mean, he he is he is in character, but yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is maybe someone doesn't the, the person writing doesn't know a ton about the lanterns, but they knew enough to get this right here. Salak is loyal to a fault. Now the guardians are back in the picture. John is sort of co in charge of the Lantern Corps, I guess. Maybe like the Green Lanterns are in charge, or, or, or the guardians are in charge, and. John's their second. I don't know how all of this has shaken out now or whatever, but you know, getting that right about Salak, getting that delicate balance, making him seem like an asshole, but at the same time reading the story, you know, you you understand his point of view. That's that's something that that maybe not every Lantern fan or not every land, uh, person who's not familiar with lanterns would know. You have to be familiar with lanterns somewhat to get that idea about Salak. I guess <clears throat> I don't know. I, that- I mean, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying this is the. I'm not trying to defend this as the best characterization of lanterns ever. I'm just saying that part of Salak, and Salak is one of the main lanterns focused on here, is on point. That, I mean it. Yeah, I mean you're 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 not wrong, but Sal but Salak, I mean is Salak is pretty straightforward, and he always has been. He's he's not he's not a hard one. I mean it doesn't take a lot of research, like you said. He's pretty consistently written, so you don't have to do much research to get a characterization of Salak and say okay, well that's on point. But then you look at, and I'm not saying from a personality standpoint, even though I don't necessarily know if if it matches either. But like you look at. You look at Badge. I mean, first of all, they draw Badge with a mask, and he usually doesn't wear one. Right. Um, and I don't. And I don't remember Badge being that that being. Well, I can't say playful, but I guess he's kind of maybe he's just because just because of maybe the whole dog squirrel relationship kind of thing that maybe he's he's a little he it cuts him a little more slack in being the way he is with crypto. But I I don't know. I think it's. It's a, I mean, it's an okay representation of the Green of the Green Lantern Corps, I suppose. But again, I don't. There's some. It still comes down to there's a whole lot of a whole lot of secret keeping for for not a real true justified reason. I don't think, and I think that's. And I think that okay. That's so. That's just so. So so. Let's get to then the last part of this. The part or well, the first part of this issue. This the stuff we really want to get into. Uh, the Appa part of it all. <laughs> You said you wanted to bring it up and get into it a little bit, so. Uh, 
I don't know. I first, I mean, first, first of all, I mean, it's, it's just the fa- it's just the fact that he just he he only has like like friggin' five minutes to tell her all this important stuff. Number one, so he spends like. And now it is an exaggeration, but he's but it seems but it seems going back to the last issue, he spends like about a third of that time saying what his name is. <laughs> it's like it's like my name is, and I can't tell you anymore. I'm gonna be leaving, and our, our time is up. Thank you for talking to Ali Apiops. <laughs> it's like it's like <laughs> shut up. I mean, it's like again convenient for the plot. It's like and yes, you can't say it's 100 percent out of character for a guardian being just overly wordy and not getting to the point, but. But he he would not necessarily be one of those guardians who may be like that. Yes, we assume this is obviously pre old timer days, but still, come on. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then there's the fact that yes, uh, logically yes, putting all your eggs in one basket from an archive or a history, uh, you know. But it, that's okay. Do you need to scatter them all across the universe? Do they all need to be friggin' stones? You don't have a friggin' flash drive you can leave around someplace. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I, it's like, I, I, I buried a, I buried a flash drive. Uh, there, you will find, you will find a copy of all this. Why not leave copies of the entire archive in different places? Then, not just, oh, because this, this is one of those things that always drive. I mean, it didn't always, because to be honest, I didn't give it a lot of thought. It's just one of those things where you watch it, it annoys you. It was like the same thing in both of those Tomb Raider movies, the Angelina Jolie movies. Like in both movies, it's like they need another part of this thing in order, you know, the bad guy, they like they, they need to, they're trying to put all the pieces together to get this thing and if you get it, and if they get it together, you know, then all, like the whole world's going to end. It's like and especially like in the second movie, it's like she has a piece of it. Destroy the goddamn piece, then you don't have to worry about it. It's like it's like I understand that and the on my brief tangent, in the first movie, I understand because I think she was kind of hoping to get some resolution with her father. But the point is, if you have one piece and you know all the pieces have to be brought together, and that's what the bad guys want, destroy the one piece you have, and the other pieces are irrelevant. It's the same kind of thing. It's like let's scatter all these stones are all across the universe. It's like yeah, that's great. So if one stone gets destroyed, you're probably gonna be fucked, right? <laughs> Dumb. I, I think it's again, it's convenient for a plot point. But I don't think it's – I don't just uh, – that's the part that didn't – the whole uh, – as cool as the reveal was with Appa in the last issue, I thought they kind of spit the bit on it. They didn't stick the landing in this issue. But obviously it's just to send her off in another, another direction. So it's like a MacGuffin. Yeah. He, he, he's a, he or that first stone is kind of like a MacGuffin there. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, overall, I enjoy the story. You know, speaking to Appa, just just you know, stutter stepping and reintroducing himself and saying our time is short. You know what else it reminds me of? Green Lantern related. What? <laughs> Whenever Avin shows up and <laughs> and dies before giving Hal the <laughs> ring, it's like, uh, my name is Avin Sewer. I'm dying. I need to tell you this. <laughs> the ring is weak to yellow. <laughs> this ring, take it. <laughs> Say the oath. Sorry. Speak the oath. Plit, plit. Grab the lantern. Speak the oath. And don't give it to Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> but it, it, it reminds me exactly of something Avin does, like whenever he shows up and dies in front of Hal. Uh, but anyways, uh, but at least he's I, pass- I mean, look. But at least he's passing on the important information he needs to <laughs> in the limited amount of time that he has. He doesn't keep going on. I, my name is Avin, sir. I, it's like a, a like there are things that I've seen that would, that would make you shit a brick. But in fact, let me tell you three. Oh, I got three seconds left to live. Here, take this. 
It's like, God. It was, um, it, was fun, it was an enjoyable story. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an enjoyable story. I mean, I, 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 I was reading this expecting some fun Lantern cameo stuff uh, and some some continuation of the Rogelzar information, some information on who this circle was, so on and so forth. But, um, you know, I, I, and that's what I ended up getting. But at the same time, I feel like I enjoyed the Lantern aspects more than I expected to. Um, uh, and it lasted longer than I expected to. Hal shows up in the first issue and points the way. She, she And then she's on MoCo for like two issues. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot of Lantern stuff happening. Normally, if a, a Lantern were to show up in a random one-off issue, maybe we wouldn't cover it. But, I mean, this is three issues. Uh, of consistent lantern appearances in a title that's not even uh, really advertising the fact that Green Lantern shows up. I mean, maybe uh, maybe uh, in your one of your issues, issue twenty two, it says "Okay, Green Lanterns," and she's holding Salik by the throat. But I mean, it's not like it's saying you know on the cover dressing <laughs> featuring the Green Lantern Corps or something like that. So. That's uh, that's. I mean, it's. I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to uh, when I was going into it. I think it also speaks to it speaks volumes to the how bad the Green Lanterns are right now as a, as a brand. <laughs> if Green if Green Lanterns were a bit a big selling point, you could bet your ass that they would be pushing it more and they would and they would be playing up that aspect. But the fact that they're not also tells you that. They don't think they don't think pushing the Green Lantern ties is going to bring a lot to the table. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's sort of it. All, all, all I had to say about it. Do you have anything else to say about this issue or the entire arc as a whole so far? Are, are you interested in continuing on the story and seeing where it goes from here? I am interested in seeing where it goes. Do I, which does not necessarily translate into the, whether I'm actually going to be buying this, these issues. But I am, but I am curious to see. Uh, but again, I don't know how much they're going to allow stuff to play out in Supergirl related to Superman. You know, so right. some of, some of these things are just yeah. So I I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be one of those things like almost like uh, when they have an event in the tie-ins where some where some of the the main points of the tie-ins, if they're really relevant to the whole story, eventually are going to show up into the main series. I don't know if this is going to be one of those one of the one of those deals or every or everything she finds. Is going to be revealed in a Superman issue, even if it's just her coming back and we seeing her telling Superman everything she found. So I, so I, I don't know. I, I'm also, not, I got to be honest with you. Again, maybe once I read Superman four, I'll have a little more interest in it. But to me, I'm, I'm also not that tied into the whole Rogar's all thing to begin with. I'm a little more in. I'm a little gotcha. more interested in it based on the background that you gave on it. Uh, and right. probably a little bit more because now that we know that you know, not surprisingly, the guardians are involved in something stupid, <laughs> even though seemingly they they backed out of it before it got to the moment of. <laughs> but still, I I don't know I I'm not reading like I said I'm not really reading Superman again at the moment so we will we will see. Okay, is there anything else we wanted to cover tonight? Just to go, go over a few things since we don't want to run too late tonight. Let's see. We know that the Flash movie got pushed back again. <laughs> Twenty twenty one. means never <clears throat> with Ezra Miller probably. I mean, you can almost take it to the bank. We're never going to see that unless 
Unless the whole purpose of having a flash point, a flash movie begin with Ezra Miller just to do a flashpoint movie, so at the end of the movie, Ezra Miller won't be the Flash. <laughs> Among other things. So yes, that movie as a shock to no one is pushed back. Uh, supposedly to 2021. Let's see how Aquaman does. If Aquaman is a bomb, you can probably take it to the bank. We're never going to see that movie. Uh, just like the odds of us still seeing the Green Lantern movie in 2020 become increasingly dimmer. That, that light is is, is is glowing ever so dimmer, especially unless that because that that movie doesn't start filming by like at the very least by like probably mid 2019, which there's certainly no indication it's going to. That the odds of it coming out, especially if it the the projected rumored release date, which was that June 2020 release date, was supposed to be the core's slot. That yeah, we don't even have, we don't even have a script, we don't even have a cast, we don't have anything. So if this movie doesn't start friggin' filming relatively early on, within the first half, or no later than the summer of 2019, there's really no a very unrealistic that they could make a June release date. Uh, so, and who knows? They, we don't know what the hell they're doing. Neither do they, and that's the whole point. Uh, so that that was one thing. Um, let's see the the end of Iron Fist as we know it. Which uh, yeah, Iron Fist is done. Did I didn't read the article? I, I I assumed that the the headline had all the information I needed to know that Iron it Fist has is, been canceled. The actual statement is written in a way that leaves it to interpretation of what it actually means because they talk about how it will. They mention that it will not have a third season on Netflix. So they they they, they there's multiple there's two references in the statement referring to the show on Netflix, which of course opens the door to the fact that maybe the show is going to exist somewhere else. Some people have speculated maybe it'll be something going on their streaming service. It also opens the door. If, if not, it certainly opens the door for maybe they're just going to meld and merge, you know, Iron Fist into Luke Cage and do Heroes for Hire. And so it, it opened because they also end the statement with saying the immortal Iron Fist will live on. So that does. So yeah. it, it doesn't. We do not know necessarily what it means. It's it's disappointing based on the number one. I I I know I'm in the minority for the first season. I I liked the first season. Obviously, the second season overall was better. You know, we all like well, almost everybody likes uh, Jessica Chadwick there. Um, so it's kind of disappointing based on where we saw her character leave off that that's going to be up in the air. Um, just like the Daughters of the Dragon, you know, that kind of potential where they would, even though that can still easily resurface on Luke Cage too. But we will, we will see that. So that's kind of, <clears throat> that's kind of disappointing. I'm trying to think of there. Oh, uh. Now, now we're obviously won't go into details because we'll be doing this <clears throat> soon enough. Did you read Green Lanterns today? I did not. You need to read that because it's actually a a really weird kind of like there's a really weird reveal as in return in that issue, which makes no sense whatsoever. If they pick up on it, it's cool. And there's actually a bit of there's a bit a, a bit of news related to Green Lantern. Uh, as far as which obviously should have impact going forward, which was kind of cool. So you should you should read it. That'll be a it'll it'll be an interesting issue to review when we do the final when we do the final two issues of Green Lanterns, which will be coming up very soon. And I'm trying to think of there was something I thought there was something else that I wanted to 
Did you watch the season premiere of The Flash? I was funny you mentioned that because I completely – I had zoned out. I was just thinking, did did that show even begin yet? What was that, yesterday? Well, no. uh, Yesterday was the the second episode of the season. I will have to go see if it's on – if it's on the CW on demand for me to for me to watch it. No, I I completely I did not see a whole lot of uh, reminders or whatever saying that that was the date that it was supposed to start. I knew logically it should have been on or uh, by now because we're already in the middle of October. But no, I I've, uh, all I'll say is, God damn it, Barry, you should know better no, by just, now. But I think I think that's a I think that's a a common theme through. Probably every season of The Flash so far, there's always going to be a huge moment somewhere in there. We're going to be like, "Damn it, Barry! <laughs> Haven't you learned your lesson yet?" Does he go try to change time again? No, but, he's, but he does something. But, uh, you'll see what. But he does something stupid, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. That, he does. Like I like I joked a long time ago. My my name is Barry Allen, and I'm the dumbest man alive. This has been a really horrible representation of of the intellect and the common sense of Barry Allen because he does stupid things every season. <laughs> he's not necessarily doing something stupid, but he's allowing something stupid to happen. <laughs> so he's an accessory to the fact. <laughs> he, he's guilty by association because his track record is that he's stupid and does stupid things. <laughs> And uh, Walking Dead and Supergirl have started up again, and I think sometime this week Arrow is starting up again. So that's weird that there's two episodes of The Flash and and Arrow didn't even start yet. Um, Yeah, maybe not based on the trajectory of that show, but then again, based on based on trajectory, Walking Dead wouldn't have started yet either, since seemingly nobody has noticed that it started. Talk about it. Talk about a show that's from a from a viewing perspective that's gone straight into the crapper. Oh my god! Well, I mean, I I uh, I stopped watching at the end of season five. Where uh, did you watch any Walking Dead? Uh, a lot of it. I never like watched that? a lot of Walking Dead. In fact, the 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 closest thing the I did watch the tail end of the last episode last season just because they were hyping how it was going to change the status quo so much. So I was curious to see how how it was going to end. Right. Uh, so the last time I watched Walking Dead regularly, it was at the end of season five where the I mean, this is a long time ago. So if anybody feels this is a spoiler, uh, I'm just talking to the people who know and have been watching Walking Dead. This is the season where at the end of it. Uh, the people of Alexandria are trying to decide whether or not to kick Rick out or not. And, uh, you know, he's having some fight with an abusive husband and he shows up to, to kill Rick, but in so doing accidentally slices the throat or whatever of the husband of the woman who leads Alexandria. This causes her to, of course, break down and tell Rick to just kill this dude, which he does right when um, uh, God, what's his Morgan from episode one, uh, season one? Uh, the black guy with the. He, uh, did you ever watch the first episode yes, of Walking Dead? Century ago, yes. Okay. A century ago, I did watch. I did watch the premiere, and I think I may have watched into into the second episode or something. But it never, it it never really, it never really caught me. So Morgan is the guy that finds Rick after Rick wakes up from a coma. He has his son with him. You know, all all that stuff. Uh, Morgan finally finds Rick again at the end of this episode, and that's the cliffhanger we leave season five 
on. I stopped watching after that regularly. I don't know why. It just maybe sort of dropped off. And obviously season six, season seven, season eight happened. Um, uh, that's, you know, really when the stuff with the Saviors and Negan really gets kicked into high gear uh, and all of this. So uh, I've decided, all right, well, it's been a long time. Let me go rewatch everything I've watched before and catch up on the stuff I haven't seen and see if I'm down for it. Uh, I, I mean, I'm really en- I enjoyed it. Uh, not enough to pay super close attention to it, but I guess I'll, you know, I'll, I, I'm curious. This is supposed to be Rick's last season, so I want to see kind of how all that pans out. Uh, it's a different sort of season because uh, I'm not going to s- spoil as to why, but uh, with the results of the prior season, now both Daryl and Maggie are sort of against Rick and Michonne. So these people who have been together since roughly season two or three are now uh, at each other's sides. You know, Rick has a strong relationship with Daryl as almost a brother. You know, Maggie is, has been a part of this crew for a long time. Now that they're all butting heads, it's kind of interesting to see how that dynamic works out. So I'll be paying attention to that. And another thing I wanted to mention just before we end the episode uh, one of our listeners was kind enough to send me something. So Ryan Fields, he interacts with us on Facebook. Uh, well, I guess was maybe listening to the Venom episode or some other episode uh, where we were talking about pops and stuff. And he told me he had one of those uh, Venomized Captain America pops, uh, an extra one, and he sent it to me for free. And I got that in the mail the other day. It's on my shelf now. And that's I just I mean, that's someone someone reached out and sent me something for free. So I wanted to to thank him for that. So now I've got my exclusive Marvel collector core venom, uh, that I got in that box. And now I got the captain America venom. Um, so I just now, I mean, I, I've resolved myself to getting the other ones. It's just going to be a pain, you know, uh, by the time I can afford to get them, we'll like the, the commons, like the iron man and, um, uh, and the black Panther and, and those still be in Walmart. Then there's the ones that are hard to find. Like there's the venomized, uh, ghost rider, and the Target exclusive Venomized Loki, will those still be a thing? Will they be going for Buku bucks on eBay or something? We'll, I guess we'll see. So, But, uh, yeah, I've resolved myself to getting all those Venom, uh, those venom Pops. Look, so. the, the Venom Pops look pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. They, 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 they kind of did. Uh, I, try to be, I try to be somewhat selective in the Pops that I buy because you could go batshit crazy. And, and, oh yeah, for and I sure. apologize. I've sworn a lot this episode. It's a little more than usual. I don't know why. Uh, the Carnage one is cool. The Carnage. Like, yeah, that's that. That one's going for double or triple its its retail price. So I I, I don't think I'm gonna get that. You can still order it on on uh, Big Bad Toy Store. I'm looking at it right now. But you can pre-order it. It's not sold out for for ten bucks. Well. I uh, am looking for as soon as my job situation pans out, I'll see if I have an extra ten bucks. The Hulk, the Hulk one's pretty <laughs> awesome too, actually. Yes, that's the other common one I, I need to try and find. But um, in terms of store exclusives, the Target exclusive Venomized Loki uh, was actually a New York Comic Con exclusive, I think. So it's, I mean, it's pretty much gone from all the targets. And uh, I don't know about the Venom, the Venomized Ghost Rider, but. If that was an exclusive or not, but uh, I'm seeing it tick up, so I, I think it might have been exclusive or limited stock or something. I don't know. 
there are some pops that come out that everybody just really loves the sculpt and they just snap it up. It's not it's not even exclusive or anything. So maybe maybe that's what's happening with the Venomized Ghost Rider. <clears throat> that is, yeah, that is true. It, it's 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 definitely hard to tell with uh, from a popularity perspective. It's it it's hard to know what's gonna you know what's gonna what's going to take off, what's going to be hard to... F- sometimes, I mean, you can figure out sometimes what's going to be hard to find, sometimes just based on uh, the, how they're available. Um, well, you know you know what's interesting? You know I've got the Bill yes. and Ted pops. Bill, everywhere. Ted, hard to find. <laughs> like, they're not exclusives. It's Bill and Ted. You'd, you'd think that if someone wants to get the pop, they're going to want them both. <laughs> Because they're the team of Bill and Ted. <laughs> so why is Bill so easy to find anywhere and Ted is just so scarce to come by? <laughs> well, well, Bill is Keanu Reeves, right? No, oh, Ted is. Oh, but that might – maybe that's the – but that's probably – he might be hard to find for that reason then. Maybe – They're getting Keanu Reeves pop instead of yeah, a Ted that's, pop? That's, that's, that's could that could be why. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm just. That's why I bought Bill and Ted on Amazon as a pack instead of just trying to, like, snapping up Bill at a local comic shop and hoping I run across Ted at some point. <laughs> oh my God, they have so, they have so many different pops. Oh my God. Oh God, yeah. I have an app on my phone called Stashpedia that tracks all of them and you know what their prices, you know what what a good going for price is for them and all that stuff. So that when I start looking to expand the collection with the stuff that I do want, I can at least reference it and make sure I'm not paying too much for it in the future. So, like I got the Hot Topic exclusive Quail Dog from Doug. I want the the Quail Man exclusive to go with it, but I couldn't find him anywhere. So when I finally do have some expendable income to spend towards that sort of stuff, when I look to buy, for example, that Quail Man, I want to make sure I'm not spending too much money on it. So. Yeah, I mean, once in a while, once in a while, you'll you'll see some of these things that uh that surprise you. Uh, I'm still so I'm still kind of surprised they did the married with children pop. Those, uh, <laughs> I, I I will admit I I I don't I still don't think the the Al Bundy pop is the one they did is good enough to draw me in, but it was close. It was close. Uh, maybe maybe they'll do a maybe they'll do a box set, uh, but you never know. Oh, one thing I did want to talk about, not pop related too, that uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home that finished filming. So so that oh, yeah, I figured yeah, it was so close that, to. So that is so that is done, and that's I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think. I don't think there's anything else off the top of my head that uh, pop culture wise that's. That I wanted to talk about. All right. Well, you want to tell people how they can reach us? I reckon I can do that. Lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Facebook, Twitter. Use hashtag geocast to locate us on either iTunes and Stitcher, whichever platform you listen to us on. Please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, our dusty old voicemail, 708 Lantern. So, if anyone chooses to leave us a voicemail, which no one has lately, uh, 
but feel free to surprise us and just shock us when we go to check our feedback right before we record. And, oh my God, there's a voicemail. But uh, of yeah, he's dropping the ball too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we said it. You're dropping the ball, Corwin. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. Uh, next episode, Green yeah, Lanterns, right? We should wrap up the Green Lantern series next episode. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.